Hello and welcome to the Story X Story podcast, where we discuss stories across pop culture, plus give you advice on creating your own. It's episode number 58, and I am your co-host, Nigel. I am Tazzy, content creator and co-host. And we have two special guests with us today. First up is a familiar voice to people who have listened to this episode for any longer than a few months. Uh, story editor for My Matter, Lara Lee Green. Welcome. Welcome back. Hi. Lara Lee was on our end of year 2020 live stream, which there's an audio version of still available in the podcast feed. So you can scroll back to December and find it there. Our next guest is new to the podcast, but not unfamiliar because I've spoken to him before. Illustrator and concept artist, Roger van der Beek. Welcome, hey. Roger. Hi. Uh, so Roger and I have spoken for uh, at least twice <laughs> for the <laughs> Comic Online um, yeah. in 2020 about his uh, his craft, his his work, and yeah, we're going to be uh, finding out his thoughts on today's film. Before we get into that, though, you can subscribe to the Story X Story podcast on Apple Podcast, on Spotify, wherever you get your podcast from. Uh, as always, you can send us your feedback and questions to feedback at Maya dot com in our discord or on social media we are at my matter on twitter at my matter tees on instagram or at tazzy on both let's get started with what is happening in the my matter universe so for this month we have a bunch of stuff uh, a lot of gaming related uh, things so this year we launched our studio 77 uh, platform so every month we're going to be bringing you some kind of activities that you can check out or if you are a studio 77 member get involved with in some way so for march we have a live stream interview with square enix product manager carla reyes about her journey into the video games industry so if you are listening to this right when this episode is released on thursday it is today so you've got i don't know probably a couple hours uh, to check that out go to our twitch the VOD will also be available for a couple of weeks afterwards. And if you are a Studio 77 member, you can have access to that video for Infinity and beyond. So check that out. Uh, later in the month, we're going to be talking about mental health in video games with panelists from charities Gaming the Mind and Safe in Our World and a representative from the studio Splash Damage show. That's going to be on Tuesday, the 30th of March from 7 p.m. And, oh yeah, and then Games Night. We had our first Games Night last month. Whoop. Uh, we're going to have our next one possibly this month. But what we do know is it's going to be Roblox, right, Tazzy? Yeah, yeah, that was decided during uh, February's Games games Night. Yeah, so um, that just means I need to uh, talk to some of the kids in my workshop about what Roblox is and how you play it. And I'll be yeah, ready. I have no idea what we're getting into. Yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you can check that out once we know when that is. Uh, speaking of video games, our next Gamepad online event is coming on the 10th of April. Uh, as usual, we'll have our Friendly Fire competition. For this event, we've got Overcooked, courtesy of Team 17. We'll be providing copies of the new Overcooked All You Can Eat to all the teams that take part and then we'll be bringing back Broadhalla and Rocket League for our three rounds of the competition 
And then we've got a few interviews. We've got two interviews and a panel. I'll be talking PR with Stefan Petrullo, who is the founder of Renaissance PR. And I'll be talking video game design with Alice Winter of Playground Games, who are working on Fable, but that probably means that uh, she can't talk about Fable because <laughs> uh, that tends to be how those things work. But we'll talk about everything else, uh, video game design related. And we'll be doing our first panel. So I'm going to be speaking with Imogen Mella and Quang Nagoyan uh, to discuss game design, quantity versus quality, and whether whether games are too big or how big do games need to be. Um, it's kind of inspired, quote-unquote, inspired by the release of uh, Cyberpunk 2077 and just, yeah, looking at where we are in terms of game design and game size. So tickets to Gamepad Online is free, but ticket holders will get exclusive My Matter artwork, which I'm going to be working on later this week well uh and penali will be working on uh later this week to get that ready and other thing in away from gaming is our manga so i'm also currently working on the latest serious story through the fog which is going to be be released in spring to exact date still to be determined but some point uh we're working on it we've got drafts ready i'm gonna send that over to Lara Lee, we're going to talk about that. We'll get the artwork done and get it out. So this has been an interesting process, uh, partly because what's new is our work with um, work experience students at college. So as part of Gamepad, people may know we offer work experience opportunities to give young people sort of experience, um, often first experience of working in a sort of professional uh, environment. We've been doing that with our um with our manga that's been an interesting process uh, for me but uh, we've been able to give a few work experience students some um opportunity to develop concept art for the new story uh, and that also brings me to a heads up for may where on the podcast we'll be talking to a real life concept artist bob cheshire who has worked on tons of things i'm not going to list them all here but many marvel properties including black widow Infinity War, Endgame, Star Wars, uh, Jurassic World, and yeah, that's just a few of the things that he's worked on. So we're going to be talking to him about concept art, um, and then yeah, just hopefully giving some insight into that career path for young people and anyone who may be just interested in uh, in those films if you've heard of them, I don't know, little indie projects there. Uh, so yeah, that's what we've got from the Maya Mada universe. Let's find out what everyone has been enjoying story-wise this week. So this is the part of the podcast where we have a spoiler-free discussion about what stories everyone's been reading, watching, or playing. Um, so we will start with our guests. Um, Lara Lee, I believe you have something for us, don't you? I do. I was, um, I think I watched it on Saturday, coming to America, which was the much anticipated sequel of Coming to America, the first one. And I don't really know if I've got much to say about it that isn't really a spoiler because it's got a really simple storyline. I know that a lot of people were kind of really looking forward to this and expecting something spectacular but it really was just a celebration of the old film and just seeing how many faces they could pull out and if you go into it 
thinking that's what you're going to get, then you'll be very pleased with it. But just don't expect too much from it. But yeah, I think that's that's the latest thing that I've watched. I I heard like a lot of people like looking forward to watching Coming to America, but it just totally went over my radar. <laughs> to be happy, I have good reason. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Or I was until that kind of lukewarm <laughs> assessment of it, but I'm still going to watch it. Did you actually enjoy it, Lara Lee? I enjoyed it because I just went into it thinking this is going to be a celebration of the fact that everyone, when the first one came out, everyone loved it. So it was just kind of you sit there and you go, oh, yeah, oh, that kind of thing instead of don't go in for a major plot line and and something well thought through. It was just, it was, it was kind of, I keep saying it, it's just a celebration of, of what went before and just I think it's just for people to have fun and enjoy and pick out how many faces they can they can see and how many lines they can remember from from the first movie so for sure if you haven't seen the first movie watch the first movie because maybe the people who were watching it hadn't seen the first movie or hadn't remembered the first movie so I think that'd be helpful hmm still sounds like a, a feel a nice feel good you know Sometimes yeah, it's it's, for sure. Yeah. yeah. It's very simple. Mm. Roger, you have you been watching anything, reading <laughs> anything, any stories? No, not really. But I've been playing a little bit of uh, Divinity 2. I think it's a game from a couple of years ago, but it was on sale on Steam recently. And uh, my mates told me to pick it up because it's one of those uh, RPG games that you can co-op. So... Uh, in the weekends, I've been uh, trying to play that with my uh, with my buddies. It's been quite enjoyable. It's actually quite a heavy RPG with a lot of story. For those people who like that kind of games, like the D and D stuff, I think it's still on sale. So I just love Steam sales. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so much money. I mean, I don't know if I save money or just spend money that I wouldn't have spent in the first place. But yeah, either no, way, that's it. true. <laughs> You feel like you're getting a deal. That's that's the thing, right? Yes, that's the most important thing. <laughs> but no, that sounds great. I do love a good game that you can play like with people, especially now more than any ever. Yeah, it's so important to have just like something you can enjoy with with your friends and you know virtually hang out because <laughs> that's pretty much what it is. Definitely, it's like uh, it's easy to just put like go on discord everyone and then just share your screens and then you can just sort of like as if you're on the couch gaming together that's pretty much yeah. what you got so it's pretty cool nice well i've i mean i watched a few films because like for anyone that i don't know follows me on social media i would have known that i'm i've moved this week like but it's been chaos because my mom's uh been here getting all her stuff to to take back to Portugal because she recently moved to Portugal but all her stuff was still here so it's been a bit chaos I have watched a few films like Disney Plus has been great to me because I've just gone through like literally every kind of Disney musical <laughs> that exists but like I don't want to steal this story off off Nigel because I know it's Nigel's <laughs> podcast story but like the one thing that I've watched that I've sort of really been absorbed in is uh, WandaVision, which I'll let let Nigel gush about. <laughs> yeah. 
Uh, so before I say, because I've also been watching One Division, before I say this, let me just say, so I do have concerns about the sort of what is slowly becoming the monopoly of Disney on all our favorite properties and the idea of like one entity producing sort of all the major content and what that does to the film industry and what that does to stories. Uh, so I do have some concerns and I say that up front because everything I'm about to say is just glowing on, <laughs> uh, on one division and what Disney are doing with the streaming because it's, it's really, really good. Like this is a, I'm, I'm, I'm impressed. I feel like I don't get impressed easily, but I'm genuinely impressed with what, uh, Disney are doing because when it was first announced, I think we've even spoken about this on the podcast before about what Disney do beyond sort of the, the, the recent phase of, uh, of cinematic entries. And for me, when it was announced that they've got this whole plan for Disney Plus and they're going to be releasing all these different series with these uh, different storylines and different characters, I did start to get wary about is it going to be too much? Is it going to be like overwhelming? Is it going to be mm -hmm. a lot of the same things? And, you know, it's this is the first series, so that's still a question. But if this is what they're starting with, then sign me up. Like, I'm in. <laughs> um, yeah. Because it's just, uh, so like, it's, it's different. So in the, so in the strict context of making television or making, uh, stories, there is some risks being taken because it's very, it's very easy to just play to the audience that already knows about this whole thing, whether that's the, like comic audience that knows these characters and their backstory and where these the potential for all the storylines to go or even after doing you know a decade of um of cinema uh releases just play to that audience that has grown up with a decade of uh different uh marvel entries in the in the mcu but i feel what what i saw with one division is something that still ties in to the the storylines that they've created up until now but also gives something to people that might not have followed it as closely as sort of um bigger fans have and mm. with wonder vision what i saw is a so is this non-spoiler but so i'm not gonna give anything away but it's a it's a story about grief and that is relatable like whether you're a marvel comic fan or not you can understand some of the things that happen because it's about something that is that is human and that's impressive like to me that they've, you've they've thought enough about it to say how can we tie it into what we've done but also potentially bring in or make it yeah just make it relevant to people make a good television show if that makes sense rather than just a good marvel television show yeah i God, such a hard program to speak about. Yeah, I, <laughs> um, I like how the, and anyone that's watched it will understand this. I like how the episodes work, like the the changes that happen each episode to, <laughs> to define <laughs> each episode of the relevant style that each episode is made in. <laughs> <laughs> I love yeah. that. Everyone, everyone has like can have an episode that is like nostalgic to them. Mm. 
because of like how it's done and how that ties into the story. I want I want to know like I knew what was going on from like the second episode. I and this is like I don't know anything like comic related to One Division. I just guessed it. The pure guessage from yeah the second episode. I was like I know what's going on here. Um, <laughs> I think it's a skill that I've newly acquired is a knowing where stories are going yeah or at least like knowing knowing the uh the like catch yeah uh i don't i can't remember what it was that made me like clock on but there was something that happened and i was like okay like i i totally like know what's happening here roughly until like the second to last episode second to last okay no, I, uh, when I we that. discover who it is all along but oh this is great it's such a great uh show to kind of go into and i feel like it's got like this perfect blend between like co- comedy and like serious like it's the serious grief side but there's just so much comedy in it as well yeah it's a different type of show and, and the last thing i'll say before we just like veer into uh wandavision or just wandavision spoilers is uh, the other thing I like about it is um, it's released weekly, like the episodes were released weekly. And to your initial point about sort of know what's going on, it it's kind of, it, it takes its time. And yes. I feel before I started watching it, I saw some commentary that people found it slow or boring. And that annoyed me because I I tend to like when, stories just unfold it's not about just like rushing to the especially i guess when you're dealing with marvel people expect certain things and this is not what they've what they've done yeah um, so i like that it's released weekly you can kind of digest the episodes think about what's going on and i i did feel like it was the first sort of few episodes that i kind of thought i might know what's going on but I, I had this feeling like I wanted to be certain and I wanted to look something up just to see where this was going. <laughs> and I, I had to resist that. I was like, no, no I'm not going to do that. I'm just going to watch what's been put in front of me and just let that unfold. And I'm glad I did. Because did you, you started watching it kind of like mid-season, right? Yeah. Um, so like I watched it from the beginning and I kind of like would skip a week and then like do two in one most weeks. But some it got to the point where I couldn't wait. So the first two episodes got released together and that was a lot of, so I saw a lot of the response of like, it's slow, I'm so confused, I don't know what's going on, da 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 And it really made me think about how people don't know how to just go along with the journey. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> because it was like... I was going to say, I just, I, I don't know if I can do one a week anymore. <laughs> <laughs> um, we had a quick discussion before this chat and i was saying i don't even remember what i've watched but i wonder if that's part of it because yes. yeah it seems us so quickly that it goes out of my head because what did i i just finished watchmen and that's that is also it's sounding like because i i've been listening to youtube but i've been scared to listen to youtube because <laughs> I and not hear any spoilers at all or yeah. be a spoiler but that too was kind of like didn't give me everything all at once and I've read the novel for Watchmen and I saw the film when it first came out I did watch the I watched the first episode of the show and then I went back and watched the film 
because I thought, what what's this got to do with anything? And, and I kind of felt like, oh, uh, it was one of those things where I had all the all the episodes in front of me, and I wasn't really that bothered for clicking next until a certain point, and it made me realize like what we're saying about how much you get at the beginning and just sowing the seeds for some stories. So yeah. letting, letting you like go. Like proper storytelling. Yeah. I mm. still don't know what I am about releasing something every week. If you really want to see something every week, you <laughs> just go and watch an episode every week, but give it to me or now, please. <laughs> see, I have no self-control. I'm actually like on, on the, I think me and Nigel had this conversation a, a little um at some point when the mandalorian was was being oh, yeah. the second season was being aired and um i'm actually super grateful for disney for drip feeding me <laughs> because <laughs> i like I, I didn't realize how fun it is to like wait a week in anticipation of what's going on and having everyone around you like what's gonna happen next episode like and I almost wish and um you know Netflix here's a free idea for you um <laughs> is that like you had the option when you start a series you have the option of whether you want to binge it or you want like a delayed release on it just for you personally so everyone can watch a show however they deem necessary for that show so then like it puts a lock on it for like the next seven days or whatever you can set it to however long you oh, want to wow. be like, and then you can't like you've locked yourself out and you have to put a pin if you really have to binge it because like Bridgerton I watched and I wanted to watch it like one at a time and I ended up binging it I was so upset because it was over so quickly and I really enjoyed the series and I was like and I had to, I don't think I slept. Wow. Okay. <laughs> oh, <laughs> and it was like I always and it's such and Bridgerton would have lent itself to like I at least have like a day between each episode watching it. But like I did not have the self-control to do that. I started off with like I watched it like the first three episodes I watched a day after each other. And then like I was like, that's it. I was just finding excuses to need to have the tv on i was like oh my ironing needs doing like <laughs> oh i have this task that like is is like low it's just a task that kind of needs doing but i can con like i can i can watch the tv while i was doing it. so i was like coming up with all those excuses because i just wanted to watch more of it but <laughs> i really wish i hadn't like it was so good it would have been so good to wait and like have that anticipation you know what's good for that is also watch parties and watch it well we can't really watch things with friends now in lockdown but I found that when I when I'm watching something with someone you have to wait for them anyway because you're not both always free at the same time yeah so I'm watching blinders like that at the moment and I've only just started it and I'm watching it with a friend so I can't I now can't watch anything until they're ready so mm. then that kind of does it and then you can also speak speak to them in the meantime while you're I think there's something for that there's something to that to that like yeah you know, just digesting taking the time to digest but um definitely uh, so I will we'll come back to WandaVision uh definitely at some point uh, in this podcast the last thing I will say is that somehow Marvel have got me sat down waiting for uh the after credit scenes in my own home 
Like I'm not even going to the kitchen <laughs> waiting for these scenes. I don't know how, I don't know what like wizardry they've done, but they just trained me where I now I don't even want to go to the kitchen. I'm waiting, watch these credits, waiting for the last scene. Damn you, Marvel. Okay. Why you just press fast forward? I just wanted the experience. I was like, I'm just gonna yeah. let it, let this whole thing just wash over me, and this like I just that. take it in. So I don't know. I I I, I, I don't excuse it. Too far and see the, see it before it started. Yeah. You know, like get to halfway. <laughs> so yeah. So Marvel are are taking over, and those are the stories that we have been enjoying. Um, now we're gonna get to our main story discussion. And today we're doing a deep dive into Pacific Rim, the 2013 sci-fi monster film directed by Guillermo del Toro, widely regarded as a homage or homage, whatever, uh, to Kaiju Mecha and general anime media. So it's one of the main reasons I was interested to uh, dig into this into this film. Uh, spoiler alert, if you have not seen the 2013 version or the initial version of this, uh, film you can pause here watch it catch up with us later um before we do or before i do a recap of this story just want to get a quick take from everyone about how you felt your feelings about the story what you felt did you enjoy it let's start with our uh guest roger how did you what did you think about this well i really remember 2013 when this came out because like in the every movie in the theater like you get the the movie previews like six months before it actually starts coming out i remember just sitting in the cinema with a bunch of friends and then we saw this and we hadn't even heard about it and we were already like okay yeah that's we're gonna see that you know we were already getting excited because we just love i mean a bunch of boys right big robots (laughs) monsters fighting stuff like that so yeah yeah no like when it actually came out i know that like i went there with a, a bunch of friends had the biggest (laughs) <laughs> cans of popcorn and and sodas and just uh really got into it we knew it was kind of gotta be this spectacle film it, i didn't really think it was all that like the story was kind of predictable in a way but it just the uh the excitement and the uh it's so bombastic you know it's, i i absolutely love the movie uh, how about you lava lee i kind of feel like i should have seen it in the cinema and i would have enjoyed it more because it was about the spectacular element of it and these massive monsters and all of the action that took place. And even even saying that, I'm so much more of a story person than I am, ooh, pretty visuals. Like that, it was great to watch, to look at, but I, I, I always kind of want more from action films a lot of the time. And um, I did think that some of the lines were quite corny too. It had the really kind of, oh, yeah, let's go. And that kind of power rangery. <laughs> yep, <laughs> yep. Do it. Um, and I just felt like mm, this is this is nothing special in and of itself, I'd say. But I didn't have a bad time watching it or anything. I just thought it was okay. Okay. How about you, Tazzy? I forgot how much I watched it. Um, literally, like last night when I, you know, sort of could relax. Um, and I forgot how much of a this is. Like, it looks so dark, and like visually, it's quite dark and epic looking. But it's actually like it gives me the same feeling as watching a rom com. It's just, 
It's just like, <laughs> it's so, which is a really good thing. I love rom-coms. I, 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 I often feel like I need a film that makes me feel like a rom-com, but isn't romantic. <laughs> and this is, this is that film. Did not expect that. Yeah, no, that's, that's not how I experienced it. <laughs> and uh, yeah, like, I, I don't know, like, I really, this is something I can just like, just watch when I want to feel good. Like, and just, there's just these moments of, they they love to just show how epically big everything is. Yes. Mm. There's just so many moments where they're like, we're just trying to show you the sheer scale and epicness of this, <laughs> of these uh, gigantic beings and mecha. Amazing. To the point <laughs> where just some of the angles, I'm like, it's so big like they just literally go out to make you feel like this is giant and there's two moments in particular i don't know if we talk about it but there's i just gotta bring them up anyway there's two moments in particular that they do they do this thing where they have like a really epic fight going on and then something really small is moved so there's one moment where they're being like pushed the kaiju is pushing I can't remember which mecha, but one of the mechas, uh, like right to the edge, right before the sea. And then it's just slowing down. And just before, like it'd be the point where they're pushing off, they just hit like a uh, billard thing. I don't know what they're called. Yeah, like, the metal horror, right? yeah. yeah. And it just goes ding and slightly tips. <laughs> <laughs> and then they do it again with the, I don't know what these things are called. The thing, the like, thing with the metal balls that go ding yeah yeah yeah. yeah and it's like yeah. this whole office building just like gets ripped into oh, and then just slows yeah. down and then just goes <laughs> the momentum <laughs> yeah um yeah but they just have they just it's like they're just showing off like how and i i don't know it just made me feel good like it's got so much hope in it but it's like this really daunting thing that's happening and it's just like fun I liked it. That's the point where it shows that it doesn't take itself too serious. Yeah. Uh, that's what Marvel did, like, in the later movies as well, I guess. Or what's already doing. It just knows that it's being ridiculous. Hmm. Um, so I... So my film memory is really bad, because I've, I've definitely watched this. I think around the time it came out, I don't remember anything. And that's, that's not to do with the film. That's, that's a medical condition, obviously. Uh, I mean, 2013 was a while ago. Yeah, it's, you know, this is in the first case. So, yeah, but thank you, Tazzy. Um, But yeah, so this is like watching it new uh, for me. And I kind of, I I generally agree with like what uh, you've all said in terms of it. It is that kind of summer blockbuster. And sometimes for me, I I also tend to be more like, tell me about the characters and, uh, and the story and the meaning of this. Uh, so I can go sort of either way with that kind of summer blockbuster, but I found myself quite liking this. Uh, maybe it's because they, I think it's partly like the, just the, the visual spectacle of it. And it wasn't too, like it wasn't Transformers, which I have uh, deep uh, resentment for, but it wasn't um, that kind of just mess on, on screen. It, yeah. it was the summer blockbuster done well uh take that uh as you want but yeah i i kind of i had fun with it and 
uh, I enjoyed it. And yeah, we'll get into a bit more of the reasons why. But I will first recap the story for anyone else who, yeah, to be fair, 2013 is a while ago. So for everyone else who also can't remember, I uh, can't remember the past year, let alone 2013. <laughs> uh, let me go back to the story. Can I just say before you do that? Yep. I, I was going to say, I feel like it is quite forgettable in parts because I just watched it yesterday for the first time. And I could be pretty sure that I won't be able to tell you a lot of what happened in it because they were just fighting. Okay, so this is for you too. Some of that there with you not remembering any of it. All right, so yeah, you can pay attention as well. Um, so <laughs> the story takes us to 2013 where a portal known as the Breach has opened at the bottom of the Pacific Ocean and giant monsters called Kaiju have emerged causing destruction and general threat to life. In response, humans build massive robots called Jaegers to fight back. Each one is piloted by multiple people mentally linked in a process called drifting. In 2020, to be fair, this is already sounding better than the actual 2020, uh, brothers <laughs> Yancey and Riley pilot the Jaeger Gypsy Danger against the Category 3 Kaiju. During the fight, the Kaiju pierces the Jaeger's armor and kills Yancey. Traumatized by the loss of his brother, Riley quits the Jaeger program but is pulled back in five years later by Jaeger program director Stacker Pentecost, who has defied world leaders and plans to bring about the destruction of the kaiju once and for all with a nuclear bomb. At the Hong Kong Jaeger base, Riley meets Mako Mori, Pentecost's adopted daughter. Riley and Mako are found to be compatible pilots, but during their first drift test, Mako gets lost deep in the memory of her parents dying in a kaiju attack. Because of this, they are both relieved of combat duty. Pentecost consults kaiju experts Newton and Herman to plan their assault on the breach. Newton drifts with a piece of kaiju brain and is then tasked with finding a fresh brain to learn more about kaiju plans. While meeting Hannibal Chow, a black market dealer of kaiju organs, two Category 4 kaiju emerge to find Newton. Three Jaegers are sent to intercept him. The creatures destroy or disable all three, leaving Pentecost with no other choice but to deploy Gypsy Danger. Riley and Maiko kill both Kaiju, allowing Newton and Herman to drift with a fresh Kaiju brain, only to discover that the breach will only open in the presence of Kaiju DNA. The attack on the breach goes ahead with Gypsy Danger and Striker Eureka, with Pentecost, who is dying from radiation sickness, co-piloting. Two Category 4 and one Category 5 Kaiju emerge from the breach to defend it. Gypsy Danger kills one, but Striker Eureka is immobilized by the other. Pentecost sacrifices his Jaeger as he detonates the bomb. Riley sets Gypsy's reactor to detonate, having already ejected Mako. He then ejects himself back through the breach. The re reactor detonates, closing the breach. Both escape pods surface in the Pacific Ocean while Riley and Mako embrace as helicopters are sent out to retrieve them. The end. Uh, so the first thing I wanted to touch on is just that idea of the this being that sort of fun, sort of quote-unquote dumb blockbuster. So it's got something where it it, it feels, uh, I read somewhere, it has the energy of a Saturday morning cartoon, which I feel is quite uh, appropriate. But I also felt that it's more than that. Uh, and like I said, like for me, Transformers is the, uh, what I'm going to call the brown standard of uh, summer blockbusters, just like the worst. This is a lot better than that. And that's kind of, in fact, that's almost like 
sort of damning praise. But there's something, I feel there's something in this film that kind of makes it enjoyable for kind of for what it is. And like what just said, it is that it's just that loud, that uh, sort of robots fighting, which I love, like that uh, homage to sort of anime um, shows like uh, uh, Evangelion or Gura Lagan, things like that. But I think the other thing that I quite liked about it is that I, I was able to find some kind of theme, and Tazzy touched on this, this is very hopeful, which is similar to uh, a lot of anime with with giant robots. And it's also got this theme about cooperation and like two people becoming one and having to work together to achieve a goal, which I quite liked as well. Yeah, definitely. Did you also find, like, Tazzy, that endearing factor about it? Yeah, like, there's so many moments, especially, like, two two people becoming one. There's loads of, like, these moments where we're reminded that, um, like, they're in each other's memories. Um, and there's, like, one moment for me where I'm like, oh, like, this is so like deep and emotional <laughs> for this brief moment um and it's when riley is telling mako about losing his brother and she's there like yeah i know how much it hurt because i felt it and it was that idea of like they were then all three of them were connected because he's got his brother's memories linked to his mind and then she entered his, his mind so essentially getting both of them bit of a like yeah. buy one get one free situation yeah. there. <laughs> um but it's just like you know a really touching moment where you sort of think about like empathy and um how people like just struggle to have it but they're kind of forced to have it yeah it's a good point it doesn't work without it mm. uh roger out of interest have, have you uh seen much of like the anime that this has been inspired by or have you or did you come at it like just completely new um to this kind of story no i i had not seen any uh anime about pacific rim or something i yeah. know gundam which it reminded me of yeah, course that was the uh, one i was trying to think of yeah but no i i'm not that big of an anime watcher honestly but um this this movie I think like just in, in visual, it's, that's where it gets, right? Like the story is quite easy or uh, predictable. Yeah. Uh, but it, I mean, the, the story or the, the movie just sells itself and on the design and the visual cues. and Yeah. And I think it's kind of, it, it's the positive thing. Another thing I like about the film in and of itself is, because uh, like Del Toro was uh, definitely inspired by like this doesn't adapt from any one particular uh, anime or manga, but very much inspired by a lot of the uh, the tropes um, in it. Obviously, sort of monsters, giant <laughs> robots. But what it does is it brings it to a new audience. So someone like yourself, Rogers, who exactly. might not have seen like uh, any particular anime, but you have some awareness of, you get to kind of experience that. And I feel when things like this are done in, in uh, the right way, which I feel this has been, it's like other people get to share in that that kind of experience. So I find a, a positive thing. Yeah, and I think the the sort of like the world that he's creating in it um, is even though there's a breach and monsters that are like sky skyscraper size, yeah, it's still somewhat believable 
that if the world would come together or something, even with current technology, sort of, we we could do this, you know? Yeah. That's sort of like the cool thing. I think uh, it, it's not like giant robots flying off into space to fight aliens or something. That that would be too much. But for some reason, that aliens come from underneath for oh, whatever okay. reason. You know what I mean? Like even yeah, with yeah, current, it's it's so, so, he somehow made it sort of believable for more people. I guess I agree with that. I think even with like some of the mecha, like the tech um, that you see, because obviously um, when they're like go off and find Riley and get the last last of the Jaeger teams together. There's like the Russian Jaeger, which is really like it's this kind of still looking form and it's mm. kind of steam powered or something, right? Yeah. And then and then you've got the the Chinese one. Yeah, with the three arms. Yeah, yeah. and like all these like different examples of kind of like the slight variations from from region, and as well like because they're all from like different different models, right? Different uh, versions, and um, sort of going up as they got more advanced. And then even the fact that it, that um, Riley's one is like it's it's analog, you know? It's <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's yeah, yeah. There's only one still left working. <laughs> It's a bit silly. It's super silly, but it's it works. Yeah, no, I like that. Uh, definitely. And uh, in terms of anime, it, it reminds me of um, it reminds me of a lot. But I was thinking Grown Lagin, which I mentioned, just that sense of uh, of hope. <laughs> it's, it's like because it has that overriding, you know, like we can do this. It's you know, it's not. It may look bad now, but uh, we're definitely gonna make this happen. And and like it just has that from beginning to end so uh yeah if you like optimism like relentless optimism go check that out i think i think riley's like the kind of that super typical like shonen main oh he character yeah. <laughs> but in like this really down-to-earth way like it's it's still got that like anime kind of feel to it where they're just you know just there but more realistic version of it so there was something i didn't necessarily pick up on while i was watching the film but i uh, saw later and i'm going to put this video in the show notes because after our i think the last story we discussed is um perfect blue and we just spoke a lot about color theory and i just saw this pop up for pacific rim now admittedly this isn't as advanced as what was being done in in perfect blue because that was some next level kind of symbolism and color theory but i always find it interesting to see how creators put together their stories because when we watch or when we read something like there's nothing in a frame that's there by accident unless it's the last season of game of thrones and <laughs> then it happens all the time but generally speaking <laughs> everything there is supposed to be there and i noticed why well, like i said i didn't notice but uh, i saw this video that talked about the way color uh, is used to represent different characters so it mentioned the because after in the beginning of the story when um yancey riley's brother is killed and riley has to solo pilot his jaeger back to shore and you see a lot of white so it's kind of like a reset uh after gypsy dangers is defeated and then it highlighted where when riley quits and then he's working construction for the wall it's bathed in yellow so there's a lot of yellow uh in terms of like the lighting or I think there was like uh, the construction workers, their hats or their, their jackets or something were yellow. And then Mako 
uh, is was represented by Blue. So when she's introduced, uh, she is in kind of I think she's wearing blue or definitely like the sky. She has blue in her hair. Yeah, yeah. that's it. Yeah, she's got blue in her hair. And then you kind of see the base she's on has elements of yellow as Riley is introduced uh, and they, they meet. And then the interesting one is is Pentecost because he's the, the kind of the bridge between the two because he has sort of relationships independently with with them. And he has sort of elements of, of both. And then you've got, uh, I think the last one is the the red shoe, which is the only kind of thing that I saw. I was like, oh, red shoe. And then that sort of represents Marco's loss. And then I think at the end, when everything um, is kind of, is happening in the Jaeger, in the breach, and just before it gets used as a sort of bomb in itself, uh, and Marco gets uh, ejected, there's a lot of red in that scene. So all, all, all these kind of subtle or subconscious or yeah just background hints that tie into the story that don't always aren't always made apparent but they're kind of there and it affects the way you kind of experience the story i was finding interesting i don't know if, if anyone noticed any of that i didn't I, I noticed the shoe and that was it yeah i only noticed the shoe <laughs> <laughs> i didn't notice any of it either but i think that stuff is great i found it really really interesting it's uh it's what you i guess like uh also for my work I get to do quite a lot of color, color keys and uh, setting moods for certain parts of games or films or whatever. That's always uh, one of the very, yeah, very important part of visual storytelling is setting the mood with certain colors or tying it to characters and hope, feelings, stuff like that. It's uh, They did it in Pacific Rim, of course, um, not as strong as some other films. Uh, especially animated films have a lot of it, you know, especially like the put in bo- puss in boots and stuff, stuff like that. But uh, yeah, they did it pretty good in in this mo- film as well. And like for you, when you're when you're doing it for your work, uh, Roger, because I guess for the most part, most people won't notice. Is but that's I guess that's the idea, isn't it? Do you like yeah, you, ha- you don't notice it's being done on purpose. I guess that's that's the thing, but. Like the the person who's directing it or creating the film is definitely aware of it and wants to, you know, there's there's an idea behind the shot and they sort of like want you to feel a certain way. Uh, so they're using music and color and lights to sort of like direct you yeah. to what you should be feeling in a certain moment. Exactly. Yeah, I was find that interesting. Just and especially sort of more so when I'm in the process of. Uh, writing and in the process of making the story is okay you've you know you've written the story and you're going to do the artwork but what else can you add to kind of reinforce like certain elements with themes or different symbols uh, in the story uh now we work with mangas it's black and white so um can't necessarily use color but it just always makes me interested to see how other people kind of make use of the sort of the non-surface level, here's what's happening in this moment. What else is there uh, in a scene, in a frame to kind of reinforce the story that is trying to be told? I guess in, in mangas, you could use sort of like the light, right? Depending on like how, yeah. how dark an area is or how overwhelmingly bright something is. And that's a way you can do it in, I guess, black and white. That's uh, true, actually. Wasn't there like... Um... Uh, I forgot the name of the movie. I think Bruce Willis was in it, the black and white one. 
Sin City. Yeah, that one. Oh, yeah. They did really well. That was yeah. really good. They added some colors sometimes, didn't they? Yeah. Yeah, they had red. I think they had other colors. The evil, nasty, stinky thing was yellow, <laughs> wasn't he? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so that's another. And yeah, your, your point on manga is a good one, actually, because um, there's literally a there's a sequence at the end of this story I'm working on where light is being used um, in, in certain elements. So yeah, I'm going to go away and think about that after we finish recording. <laughs> um, yeah, thanks for that. Um, yeah, no worries. No, but there's a, there's a, uh, quite a lot of color theory for illustrators and concept artists and stuff like that. Yeah. To, that you can learn. I've, I'm sure there's tutorials or books about it or whatever. Yeah, or you can do what I do and invite a concept artist on the show, on this show, and yep. then talk with another one <laughs> later on uh, and just pick their brain. <laughs> yep. it's, yeah, it's, uh, that's, Welcome that's to the real reason we have this podcast. <laughs> 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 so the other thing I wanted to talk about is this idea of uh, characterization. And uh, again, Roger, you kind of touched on it early on about so the balance between the 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 plot spectacle and then the story i guess yeah the story the characters and we've talked about it on this show before uh, i think the first time i think we really got into it is when we discussed elita battle angel and just the idea of you only have so much space in a in a story in this case we're we're talking films you only have so much time you kind of have to pick what you're focused on uh, and I guess the the spectacle of Pacific Rim like worked for me, and many reasons for that. Uh, and actually, something I forgot to mention earlier is that uh, I think Lara Lee, you talked about the the monsters and how that how that worked for you. Um, I read somewhere that while making it, Guillermo del Toro he he made a point that when they were designing the monsters to make sure to think where does the person go in like if there was a person to go in um where where do they fit i think that resulted in them making anatomically i was going to say realistic but let's go with that realistic just kind of something that makes sense and isn't just like crazy that would never work in the, in the real world kind of right. thing so i think there was like real thought to how do we make these like massive these interestingly visual monsters but also ground them to a certain extent but in terms of characterization so that was the one thing i guess like for me that i would have liked to see more because there were some interesting kind of character moments and uh and definitely in the flashbacks uh you saw some kind of interesting stories with uh mako and, and pentecost um so i'm going to say something for uh this is directly at lara lee because in i also forgot that this film has a strong sons of anarchy connection two, two characters right two characters yeah so Ron Perlman and Charlie um, who I forget is is British she's from Newcastle mm-hmm. yeah forgot that so I'm going to say something I I thought while watching Sons of Anarchy I can't remember if I mentioned this to you but Riley is the main character here but is the more interesting main character Mako would she have been a better protagonist because I feel so in Sons of Anarchy and if anyone hasn't seen it it's basically about biker gang and oh what's the character's name jack jacks yes jacks teller and jacks teller the main character in this show played by charlie Hammond. is that his name am i saying that right yeah yeah um so he plays this kind of conflicted biker i'm sort of 
summarizing wildly, but the idea is that he's conflicted about being part of the gang, but then also um, sort of not wanting to go too far into that life. And I felt with that story that he was he did okay as the protagonist, but there was another character, Opie, in that show, who was actually a more interesting for me, a more interesting main character. And I felt here in Pacific Rim, when Riley and Marco did their first drift, and you kind of see because it had been hinted up up until that point why she wasn't sort of allowed to train and, and pilot, you see her backstory and her sort of the loss of her parents and her connection to Pentecost. I'm, I was thinking like that would have been a more interesting kind of thing to delve into. hundred percent. I think, I think you're hundred percent right. I think now that you've even pulled it out, the other characters I felt had more of a, a story than what our main guy did, because what, what was his story really? What was, we don't, we don't really know too much. He was just there being deep voiced kind of good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I my, I was I drifted with my brother and now my brother's dead and then I can and I've come to save the day. Whereas everyone else, nearly everybody else, had a deeper story than that. Even the brother and the dad, like everybody else had a deeper story. He actually had yeah. correct me if I'm wrong, because I do have the that film amnesia stuff. But like <laughs> he didn't really have a lot of his of his own story going on even when we talk about um old shoe guy what was his name the other old sons shoe. of a guy oh clay hannibal chat oh. oh hannibal yeah von perlman yeah. i'm just throwing names yeah. at you now but... <laughs> 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 he was clay in um in sons of anarchy wasn't he yeah even actually that whole storyline i kind of because i'm not the kind of like I'm not massively into the action part of action films, which never makes any sense. I like watching that, <laughs> but I really do. like I'll zone out after a few punches or whatever, like a swing of a sword, I'm out. But I kind of zoned back in to his story and the scientists, and that kind mm. of looking into the brain of the monsters and and all of that kind of stuff that really engaged me as well and him losing his eye and all of that kind of thing that's what like i said at the beginning i i like storyline i like character etc and our main guy didn't really have much of a, a story so i think you're right and and our girl mako had such an emotive story even i don't i don't even think that i felt the relationship with Idris Elba as much as I could have. As in between him and... And Mako. And Riley. Oh, and Mako. Oh, yeah. Okay. I feel like he was put in to give them to a connection, but I didn't feel it all the way. It wasn't It wasn't terrible, but I didn't feel it all the way because I felt like they could have even drawn more on that, but they couldn't because the main guy was just walking around topless and doing all yeah he did. <laughs> he did have to put his shirt on a lot of the time speaking in a deep voice and leaning his head to the side like yeah i got this so yeah i think <laughs> you're right that i think the other characters deserved more well they tried to push him right they tried to push him a lot but i guess it didn't it didn't go very deep the only thing that he sort of had was the fact that he was the only other pilot next to uh, Idris Elba's character that ever walked so a Jaeger on his own. 
right? Yeah. That's the only thing, and didn't die from it. That that's I think that's why he car- they carried him carried him back into the Jaeger, mm. and that's it. Other than that, yeah, his we don't know, right? <laughs> they literally no like idea. his backstory was that's it. oh we like me and my brother weren't weren't your like first pick for a for a like hero. We weren't particularly athletic or smart. We just connected. We just had <laughs> that's, drift. That's what like it was. that is their yeah. only thing was that they could they could drift. <laughs> they had a connection. But apparently that's <laughs> super rare or something. But they like it feels like that was there was supposed to be so much more emphasis on those things than they were. Like if they had put more emphasis on how rare having a having a, a being able to drift together was. Or yeah. like an emphasis on how like impressive soloing a yoga was, then we might have held Riley to more than just like pretty boy. <laughs> I, they, they, they didn't sell that concept very well. That's yeah, true. I mean only only Idris Elba just getting like a bloody nose every now and then because of it, or that was like radiation stick, but that was it. Yeah, because they couldn't draw more on on that because every now and then he just took a little tablet and you kind of felt like okay at first i thought they were mints yeah that's why <laughs> this even... looks curable <laughs> <laughs> i thought he just had a yeah just he was just like popping mints or something like, okay fair enough but... <laughs> <laughs> a smelly breath and that's it. I thought they were just like, oh, we need him to do something, like just to have a thing that's his thing. So let's have him eat mints. <laughs> that's what you got when you solo a Jaeger. Yeah. <laughs> you just get a smelly breath for the rest of your life. Uh, I did find the um the scientists really interesting. And like every time they were on screen, I was so engaged. Yeah, they yeah. They, they held the screen. Yeah. yeah. But just especially the uh the the Dr. Newton. Newton just yeah. like his his just like obsession with with kaiju. Like, you know, he's got the tats, he's like a proper fanboy. And then, you know, he goes to see uh Hannibal Chow. He's like a kid in a in a candy shop, yeah. <laughs> and he's just like so like, wow. And then that seems to be like a storyline that they were like wanted to go down and they're like oh no we don't have time yeah <laughs> concentrated on that but at the beginning when he was like oh i love them so much and like oh, i'd really want to see one up close like there wasn't even any explanation as to why everyone was silent someone could have said he lost his brother to one or loads of people had died they didn't even say anything about that it's just like oh yeah he really loves them excuse him i feel like there were so many opportunities for them to actually just to make more of the issues at hand because one of another bugbear i sometimes have with these kind of movies is that real people are dying and they seem to they <laughs> concentrate on that for a scene or two if that and then they're happy again it's just like great we did it we did it y'all and no like <laughs> you just lost your son you just yeah <laughs> there's the moment when um the Russians and the Chinese, they get, you know, taken down and yeah. uh they 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 get back and they're all cheering yeah, and it's mentioned like, it's like mentioned anyway. but <laughs> so lightly. Like it 
they're like, oh, you know, I know we're celebrating because we beat whatever and um, and we just lost like some comrades but they just say it like it's just listing it off like we lost some people but there's no time to commiserate like there's no weight even put in there it's like the weight was on the celebrating bit and it was like it totally like like, missed the beat we started the clock yeah Uh, that was the thing we started the clock here we go just numbers (laughs) <laughs> it was. It wasn't even like you know. We lost a, some really good people there. It was just like we lost some people. Oh well, move on. Like <laughs> four hours, guys. <laughs> Prepare. <laughs> but we need our mechs to be better. So uh, let's get on to that. <laughs> That's why I give um, a lot of credit to something like Agur and Lagan, and uh, you know, because we, I think, yeah, this was number one when we did our stories of the year, because uh, it just like touched me and. One of the things that I really liked about it is it has this has similar kind of themes of that sort of optimism, like I mentioned, but it also it gives a weight to death. And obviously, this is a sort of two-hour film versus a twenty or thirty-episode series, so you can go into it a bit more. But I I like that it it when things are taking the time. Like I mentioned uh, earlier on, just like take the time to delve into, okay, we we lost these people. Yeah, fine. They only got, I don't know, two minutes of screen time, uh, the, the Russian Jaeger and the yeah. uh, Chinese one. But, you know, in the context of the story, we lost people. These are, we're supposed to be, you know, this last stand and these are the people that are going to fight with us and we lost them. And it's like, you don't get that time to, yeah, to, to sit with that. And I think when you have that it's always a balance. Like, like I said, you only have so much sort of space to tell a story. So obviously here they've gone with the spectacle and, and that's kind of the thing that you then lose. You then lose the opportunity to sort of sit with the impact of this big fight that you've just had. And I think that's the, the I don't know, it's, it's a hard balance to do, but I, I will say that because with um, Del Toro, he, he's known for his sort of monster films like uh, Hellboy, Blade 2 and what was the other one Pan's Labyrinth which like uh, amazing monster uh, creature design so you can kind of see he's he's been able to keep some of his his style in there regard, despite this being a, a Hollywood blockbuster but like we said it's kind of you lost you lose out some of those character moments and some of the characters then end up being like essentially tropes um, but yeah I, I felt that yeah um, Marco would have been a more interesting uh, protagonist to kind of follow and delve into that, you know, that backstory of losing her parents and then her connecting with uh, Pentecost and being the adopted daughter and him feeling that, you know, paternal bond uh, over her. But yeah, I guess that's the, that's the thing that you have to balance out. And then the other thing that uh, in terms of like character is, Especially with these kind of blockbusters, you tend to get the uh, the romance, uh, the romantic connection, uh, and it's interesting that th- there wasn't so much of that. And mm, I think it was so much for me. I think I still I still don't feel like every time someone's got male genitalia and someone's got female genitalia, there has to be some issue between them. It has to be. But it, it's 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 usually what's presented though, because you to the point where you kind of expect it. Like you you can watch a film, you can see oh. Uh, attractive male lead, attractive female lead, something's going to happen. Like, you just expect that. Also, they have been in each other's brains. Something still happened when they got back to me because they had this, 
and they had when he was kind of um, walking topless and then she's looking, oh, he's topless. Even the first meet, oh, you didn't really look like I expected you to look. And then he speaks in her language and it's just like, oh, something's created. Why does it have to be that? It just, I don't, I don't like him. I don't like that stuff. I I have a different view on it in here. Normally I'm like, why did they have to have like a romantic connection? But it actually makes a lot of sense for them to have a romantic connection. All the they need to well, be drift compatible. Yeah, everyone needs to be drift compatible. If you look at all the other relationships between people who are drifting together, they're related. They they have such a deep connection. Mm-hmm. She's like idolized him. She's watched him as like she knows everything about him. Um, and if you look at what uh, like a romantic connection is, like it's when you spend like if you spend a lot of time with someone and you have a like a adversity that you experience with them and you mm-hmm. know them very well, like it's very likely that you you're gonna form an attraction to them. Let alone if you've literally nearly died and been in their brain, like you're gonna have a very <laughs> strong connection with process. that person. Yeah, like <laughs> they're just like in close proximity. We go back again to that makes sense for her. She's been she's been studying him. She's had loads of time to get to know him and know what he's about. What was his excuse that she was pretty? Yeah. I feel yeah, like that's all the male he, lead needs. In- <laughs> and then, I mean, he's at not one point has he interacted with like a woman in, in the film at this point. We can safely say that he's probably not spent that much time around women. He was like joint to the hip with his brother and then <laughs> built walls. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and there were no women in any of those then, like in sites. any of those scenes, and then suddenly is like mind connected to like this very capable, strong mutual Ooh. like with mutual interests. They both like their both their lives revolve around Jaeger pilot. In does that not raise the question? The the bigger question that can't can't men and women be friends? Oh, this is. <laughs> Oh. <laughs> yeah, but, but then that women like men and women can be friends, but they can also have romantic connections. And in this case, it was a romantic connection. It makes sense. Like, would we have not enjoyed this movie as much if there was if there was chemistry? Like, she could have been a guy. Like, could this have even worked with a guy? Could be, but then it would have probably been an Adam Sandler movie or something. <laughs> <laughs> Riley and Adam Sandler. Yeah, <laughs> I'd watch that. I wonder. But I, I, I'm. I think I saw the movie two weeks ago or something. But did they eventually end up together? We didn't. Yeah, right. Yeah, no, that's the thing. That, we didn't yeah. see them like actually hooking up. Yeah, no. Right at the end, they kiss. They do. No, they just they. It just they heads just together, hug, right? No, I'm pretty sure they kiss. No, they right just... at the end, they no, no. they. No, she... they didn't. Her, her head on her shoulder. They put their foreheads together, and yeah. then he put her head on her, her. She put her head on his shoulder. But you know, once they got back to base, they were. Oh, yeah, yeah. So they could be having a platonic relationship. It could yeah. be a platonic no. relationship. <laughs> brother and sister. <laughs> no, no, that's so. For like, I'm someone that has like intense friendship with men, women. Doesn't matter. Like, 
So, I, like, I thought they kissed. I completely made that up. Yeah, <laughs> that. Wow, I like to force a romantic. Yeah, you just saw that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, she you was checking out his board, so maybe I was like, yeah, no. I was like projecting myself in her position. Uh, <laughs> but, like, they could, that could easily be a platonic relationship. You've got no. to remember that these people have been each other's minds. Like, that, like, I can be that close with my, my with my friends. Yeah, but I wouldn't also look at my friends while they were topless and drool. But... Oh, I do. <laughs> maybe, maybe she was just dark. Oh, sorry, you. friends. Maybe you're just not drooling. <laughs> you need better topless friends. We have, like, whole sessions where we're just, like, talking about how hot each other are in my friendship groups. So... <laughs> But, like, I'm a very, like, I really appreciate just humans in general, as well as I also hate them at the same time. But, you know, that's love-hate relationship with humanity. <laughs> um. <laughs> uh, yeah, so it could be a platonic relationship. We don't know. Yeah, nah, not after. You're just mentally enforcing your romantic ideas on these two people. Yeah, it's not buying it. It happened. I, I <laughs> nothing's gonna happen between them but then again it's just highlighted to me where he as the kind of main character has nothing she he just saw a hot girl and he drifts with her and all of that stuff about being in each other's head that happened after they drifted <laughs> in order for him to see everything about him see everything about her she already knew everything about him so fine she can build up this idea of him in in her head but he didn't even need to do that so he's literally just walked on set i'm hot i don't like, see him like having any sort of interest in her till until after they drift before then i just what, think she no, he thinks it, what, she's cool wasn't there a thing that uh they he starts to fight people with sticks to determine yeah. the match up or something and then I mean, she's kind of his equal yeah but he was he was well maybe it wasn't romantic um i won't say that he was kind of rooting for her before that because he wanted he didn't he suggest that that she yeah, combat that she, yeah, yeah. so they yeah. had had connection before but i don't think that's that was romantic at all no. i think that's just no. from I think that was just curiosity like cause, yeah. because she i think how she was reacting and how uh Idris Elba's character uh, yeah. Pentecost was reacting like well why isn't she if she knows anything because yeah, like, they already oh, had the conversation about her wanting all yeah, she wanted she to be as a Jaeger pilot. Well. And he's like, so why don't you? Well, yeah. like... <laughs> but again, that's the kind of thing that that would have been, you know, again, balanced. But that would have been like, because we knew that she wanted to be a pilot, but she wasn't being allowed to, to by, by Pentecost. And that would have been interesting to see like a why and maybe some, ten some more tension between yeah. um, her and Pentecost. Though to be fair, we did get... Um, uh, my favorite, one of my favorite moments where Riley was just on Pentecost and I think he touched him and Pentecost <laughs> was like, don't, don't let my calm, don't, don't let my me. calm demeanor fool you. Like, don't, number one, don't touch me. Number two, number two don't touch, don't me. touch me. <laughs> I was like, yeah, that's, that's Idris Elba bringing in the Stringer Bell, uh, character <laughs> to, to that moment. Like, <laughs> straight from the set of the wire, um, in that moment. <laughs> <laughs> So why I also uh, wanted to just uh, just highlight, talked about it briefly, beginning, just this idea of taking from 
sort of one medium uh, into another because with this being a um, homage to like uh, Japanese anime mecha genre uh, so I wasn't aware of this at the time but just in putting these notes together I found that there was a lot of uh, I guess resistance to the film and its closeness to specifically Evangelion which I've read but not watched uh, yet anyway and I think I can't remember what episode this was, but we had a discussion about anime adaptations. And I remember there being a question about when people are adapting one story in a medium, like anime to another, like a live action film. Can you, will the fans always allow you to even do what needs to be done as in do the actual adaptation and maybe change things that need to be changed that don't work in the film medium? So it was interesting to read about some people who were just upset that this was so close or had sort of comparisons to something like Evangelion or, or Gundam. But I, I, I think this is um, a good thing. <laughs> this is kind of, it's that idea that, because I think um, Guillermo del Toro is a general fan of, of anime and wanted to sort of pay respect to that. Didn't take from any particular one thing, but just took some of the, uh, the ideas and uh, the themes and, and tropes as well. But, it's that thing about there not being a 100% original idea. Uh, and I think he even made a point where in an interview he said like one of the first things he did is uh, is make it a point not to check any old movies or any other references. So he's like starting from scratch. Now obviously scratch is living life <laughs> and having sort of influences just over time, just naturally. But in that way, he was aware of it, but not wanting to take too much. And yeah, I was. I, it's it's slightly annoying for me when people don't just let people adapt things or um, pay homage. But what do people think is the, I guess, the balance between inspiration and appropriation? Maybe not even specific to this, but just in general. Like, what do you think is the is the balance where one crosses over to the other? I, I think it's always better to sort of like have a saying in, in Dutch anyway, which pretty much goes like, "It's better to steal something good than to come up with something bad." <laughs> yeah. No, I think that's that's cool. That um, that works for me. No, I kind of I don't know because I I don't really like that kind of feeding off somebody else's ideas. However, I wonder if the the statement "there's no new ideas anymore" is true. And and we take a lot. We're obviously influenced by the stuff that we see and we've read, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And I think it's probably impossible to divorce all of that that you've consumed over some years when you're creating some something new. And I guess I just don't know where the line is. How easy is it to create something totally new without drawing on references from things that you particularly stuck in your mind and they may not have even stuck in your mind in the way that you can pinpoint where you've got it from you might think it's your own creative idea because I can't I can't really tell you like the ins and out of a story that I I read but it's probably in there somewhere I gotta tell you it happens a lot yeah yeah like I sort of um the idea that there's there's no original like 100% original ideas. I kind of um, learned, I don't know, like 2010, I'm going to go with, somewhere around there. Someone told it to me. It was in relation to music. And then I was like, it's kind of true, you know, like there's a, there's a finite of 
combinations like it might be a large combination but it means that there's never going to be something that's like completely unique like that's like just not gonna happen and even if you came up say you were like just born (laughs) but somehow had like the intelligence I don't know how that's even humanly possible because the nature of intelligence is picking it up from yeah. from learning so even that's just proving the the no original ideas like you can have something that's like new but even sometimes I come up with an idea that I think you know this is so unique and new no one's ever done it before I've literally just come up with it as the top of my head because like I needed the solution to a problem or like whatever I'm trying to figure something out and I've just sat here and brainstormed and then like I don't act on it. And about, I don't know, like three to six months later, someone has done that exact thing that I thought of that I was like, no, this is completely new. And then someone's done it. Like someone's, someone else has done it. So I even, even think, even if that idea is completely original, as in it hasn't come off of something you've absorbed at some point in your life, just some other human is going to have figured that same thing out with this with with out having like just I don't know like I I don't think I mean I have like a I'm very spiritual anyway so I think we're all kind of like connected on some plane of some sort that we don't understand but like just there's never going to be something that you think of and you're the only person in the world out of all the billions of people that exist on this planet with all the same input like relatively like there's a sky there's trees and there's a ground like someone else is eventually like gonna come up with that same thing yeah and I always feel like we should allow people the space to sort of use ideas make use of ideas but the combination put that together in a unique way that says something different or or unique to the creator so yeah I always feel we should give people that space now if someone does a bad job of it then yeah you can uh, mention that too but uh, we've got to give people that space to yeah be creative so yeah that's our discussion we do have some questions we want to get to but as always you can let us know your thoughts uh if you've seen it especially if you've seen pacific rim and any of the kind of um anime properties that it takes inspiration from how you felt that adaptation was uh was handled so yeah let us know uh before we get to our questions we're going to go into this week's storytelling tip Each time we do a deep dive on the podcast, I like to pull out a storytelling tip for others to consider when making their stories. So this is a consideration from someone who also creates stories. And like I mentioned, I'm in the process of creating the latest uh, Maya Madaf manga. So it's really an excuse for me to learn from different techniques or mistakes that others are making. And for today, I wanted to discuss something we've already touched on, but the, the balance between plot and character. I should say that there's no one way to tell a story. Uh, it's always a balance between sort of what elements you want to put in a story, how much space you have to tell a story. So whether you're making a more plot-driven narrative or one that focuses more on character, you can make a good story. It's, it's, it's not either or. So as we've seen, Pacific Rim is more spectacle-driven and it didn't leave much room for characterization. So that in itself doesn't make it good or bad. Uh, it's just about the balance and considering... So what you're giving up, depending on what you choose to focus on. But I did like that this film is made by people who, in my opinion, sort of knew exactly what they were going for and pulled it off for the most part. 
But in doing that, they had to give something up. So first is a consideration for sort of plot and character. Uh, so when we're talking about uh, the plot is like what happens in a story, is like the sequence of events. And more to the point, it's about the dramatic sequence of events and often answering a dramatic question that centers around a protagonist and their goal. Uh, and then character is like who the plot happens to, essentially. And then character development being about how your characters move, like narratively speaking through the story and how to change and what meaning does that change represent. So personally, I, like I mentioned, uh, I tend to like character driven stories even in an action uh action story uh so i often want to know like about the motivations driving characters and how they react to events in story and how they react to uh each other but whether it's like character or plot it's you need both you do need both they are like two sides uh, of the same coin and as we previously spoke about back, uh, Elisa Battle Angel on the podcast about that balance between plot and character, which is another story that paid more attention to the visual s- spectacle, but the deficiencies in the characterization were saved by just because Elisa was such an endearing character. So Pacific Rim doesn't have anywhere near as an endearing character uh, as Elita, but in terms of like what saves so quote unquote saves uh this film from uh going too far into spectacle and forgetting to completely about character i feel is is mako and we spoke about her backstory her reasons for wanting to fight and just yeah that being sort of one of the more interesting uh elements so it is kind of a shame that we didn't get to delve too much uh into that but yeah so i think when we look at the the consideration between the balance between character and plot uh, in your story, uh, there's a few things to think about. So the first thing I like to think about is kind of start with what interests you as a creator. So again, there's no right or wrong uh, here. It just depends on what you like to focus on. And then it's about the execution of that. So always remember, like you only have a limited time, uh, a limited amount of like time or pages uh, or budget or some combination of all those. So getting an understanding of what you like to focus on and work to those strengths while not forgetting the other elements like Michael Bay does in Transformers, which we're not going to talk about now. We'll come back to that another time. Uh, Number two, uh, you still need to do both. So a plot without characters is just basically a report and characters with nothing happening to them is just as boring as it sounds. So if you're going to go for something that is more plot driven, then I think it's about making sure the events of your story bring some meaning to the characters in it. Uh, and this is, like you say, what we'd like to see more of in Pacific Pacific Rim. If you're going to do something more character-driven, it's not to say you shouldn't completely ignore external events, and especially when those events put your characters under stress and force them to make decisions, because that is what character is ultimately. It's like decisions under stressful situations. Uh, and then the last one, number three, is not to forget uh, conflict and meaning, because those are also both important to the story and this is kind of where uh themes can help and i feel that's another element that that helps pacific rim in that it did have some kind of clear themes so those can do some of the heavy lifting to convey meaning in your story so especially if you're going for something that is light on character development so with pacific rim we've got themes of like cooperation uh coming together to achieve a goal 
I even manages to make a very slight commentary about global climate change. But essentially, you want something to take away from the experience when all like the action and the, uh, the fighting is done. So yeah, just some things to think about in terms of creating stories. Uh, as always, there's going to be a video of this storytelling tip at some point on YouTube and yeah, and all of our previous uh, storytelling tips from season two still working my way through that. And uh, everyone is welcome to send in their tips, whether it's a comic, a manga, uh, a game or something else. Uh, feedback at myamada.com or jump in our Discord and let us know there. So that is a st- story tip for this episode. Uh, Tazzy, let's check in with feedback and uh, our guests. Yeah, so we do have a couple of questions. Our first question is from Kawhi Prince, MH on Instagram. If Pacific Rim ever did a crossover with another franchise, which franchise would you like to see and why? Godzilla. That makes sense. <laughs> yeah. <Right? laughs> the only thing of the same size, right? <laughs> um, I like Godzilla. That feels... Uh... That that makes sense to me. Feels evenly met. <laughs> that or you pair it with like a like um a franchise that has like really, really, really small people like small, yeah. creatures <laughs> <That>. in. <laughs> <laughs> and then and then everything would just be like colossal. <laughs> oh, you know what would be interesting? I, someone, I feel like someone mentioned Power Rangers. I just feel yeah. like what if they went just full on like campy Power Rangers versus <laughs> Pacific Rim. I don't know what they'd be fighting about, but that would <laughs> just go all in um, on that on that spectacle. Have uh, yeah, Power Rangers versus Jaegers. Mm. Power Rangers versus Jaegers. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, why not? yeah. That's that's more interesting. See. Yeah. <laughs> so the Power Rangers yeah. can all come like combine themselves yeah, into yeah, one together, giant yeah. robot. Yeah. And then. All the Jaegers can do that too, and they become even bigger. Maybe something with magic. I really like. I really like when magic and tech are kind of like mm. involved with each other. <laughs> I don't know what what word to use, <laughs> but yeah, I like. I feel like it's not done much, uh, but magic and tech would just it's just awesome. Mm. I think I'd go with Power Rangers too now. But I it would I think yeah, it'd have to be the Jaegers because the Kaiju the Kaiju are not gonna wait around while the Power Rangers get into their little Yeah. <laughs> I know, do the whole sequence, do the whole routine. <laughs> that would be part of the comedy, like <laughs> They used to just politely wait at the side while these while the Power Rangers would do yeah, pick power <laughs> and they would like wait, I don't think they'd yeah. I just, I'm just Wait. imagine like the kaiju, like just completely destroying them while they're transforming. Right. Into- <laughs> yeah, it was like they- licks it like, <laughs> and like nah. When they, when they're doing their routine, and the the kaiju just grabs one of the robot, and you end up with a Power Ranger with one leg. Yeah, <laughs> just the, the super cool up. Let's be good. Um. Okay. <laughs> Moving on to the next question from Kota Kitty on Instagram. What do you think about Newt and Herman's relationship throughout the movie? Their dynamic goes 
be so much development. I think those those guys are the the coolest of the whole uh, movie. Mm. Together, I love with it. Hannibal guy. It's too bad he gets eaten. That's like it's kind of rude. <laughs> you, you wait till the <laughs> end. Oh, he comes back. Yeah, the after yeah. credits. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I thought. Okay, yeah, true. He's he's in the second one as well, right? I've not seen the second one. Me neither. <laughs> <laughs> You guys, you're missing out. <laughs> All right, I'll watch it. You sold it. <laughs> um, I like if there was a spin-off show, like TV, like a sitcom TV show, it like the Newton Herman, yeah, specific room, and it would be hilarious. Hilarious. You know who can make that work? Disney. <laughs> yeah. There was one thing that I kind of thought where they've written where. Um, He's written all the mathematical problem on the on the board, and then he just comes out with, "It's going to be an upgrade to the next one. <laughs> it's going to be." <laughs> I could have changed the board and told you that. <laughs> I could literally just watch a sitcom with those those two. Well, well we've also in the like second, there's much more of them. So uh, yeah, okay, I'm definitely sold on that. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna watch. Maybe I'll just watch. I'm sure someone's done a YouTube compilation of like every newton herman scene <laughs> and i'm just gonna watch those <laughs> um and uh Coach kitty also asks which jaeger is your favorite uh gypsy danger right the main guy at least for me anyway i think that that whole nuclear aspect and the way he can use the 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 robot to sort of like self-destroy and save the world that's pretty cool mm. i yeah. liked I... and it's analog <laughs> I like the uh, sword um, when uh, Mako first like sh- uh, shows like, that they've yeah. had the sword upgrade. Like, yeah, that's true. We didn't speak enough about the sword, but that was a really cool moment. Yeah, it's also cool that he didn't know about it. Yeah, <laughs> it's kind of crucial though. Yeah. <laughs> he just slashes the giant biggest kaiju in half you know and i oh i didn't know we had that (laughs) i feel like that's because it was like an upgrade from between when he first piloted gypsy uh and the upgrades they had made uh reinstating them i don't know the name of the kaiju but the okay wait i've got the crimson typhoon which is the 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 free free armed one. And we didn't see enough of it, but it had free arms that looked cool. <laughs> and they come out with like the rotating blades. I was like, pretty cool. Yeah, that was pretty cool as well. I, I, I but I think yeah, like just the others didn't get enough time. Other than that, it was cool. But yeah. Yeah, I think that is yeah, that's all of the questions for today's episode. So listeners, if you do ever want to send in questions, feedback at mymadder.com. Or you can do so in our Discord or on our social media at MyMadder on Twitter, at MyMadderTees on Instagram or at Tazzy on both. And we're going to hear a bit about uh, our guests and what's going on with them next. So we'll start with Lara Lee. Any, do you have any interesting news or projects you want to shout out? Um, and give us some detail. 
the next story that Maya Madara are coming out with. Yay, curious. Yeah. <laughs> that's what I've come that's what I've got coming up outside of my day job. I don't know what I don't know whether I want to say this. Stream ITV people keeps me in a job. I <laughs> before you were saying that there's only Disney. Um we also have Britbox. Shout out Britbox. Oh yeah. I should uh, be fair and balanced. <laughs> yeah, sign up to Britbox. <laughs> Is there any uh, recommended shows? Um, all of them. Yeah, all of them are great. Um, no, we're getting new con. We're actually putting new content on, which will be original stories. But basically, I don't know why I'm plugging plugging so hard for this. But, um, <laughs> But um, it's all the classics, all the classics of, um, it was a, Britbox especially is the classic British TV in one space. So you can go and see that. And then we did um, Spitting Image, new Spitting Image with current characters from politics and celebrity. So that's on there too. ITV doesn't deserve this. I should pay them more. (laughs) (laughs) Bye. (laughs) <laughs> I don't hear first, pay Laurelly more. Yeah. <laughs> Roger, what about you? Have you got any interesting projects coming on up? Yeah, let us know. Well, for the past three, four months already, I've been working on Illuvium, which is um a uh online game that's working on the uh or in the NFT space and crypto space, which is hyping up recently i don't know yeah. don't know if you guys have uh noticed someone made an Just album an nft album yeah it's it's been blowing up uh, lately like the last few weeks like all of the artists i know and follow are all creating nfts for some reason um in this game however the um the it's sort of like a pokemon kind of game but for yeah I guess the people who grew up with Pokemon. So I guess it's 18 to, I don't know, 40. But the characters you're actually sort of like catching in the game are NFTs. So they can be traded and they exist on the Ethereum network. Uh, And I've been uh, contracted for uh, well over a year to be the lead concept artist on that. So late. For the last four months, I've just been busy guiding people and uh, setting a style um, and designing a lot of characters and environments and props and all kinds of cool stuff. Um, and it's 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 going through the roof, actually. Uh, I think we opened up our Discord about one month ago or one and a half month ago. And I think there's already 12,000 people in it. Um, so it's uh it's it's yeah it's been an amazing project to work on and i think it's illuvium.io the website uh i think a new website is coming up this week so yeah check it out if you're interested in that kind of stuff i mean i like pokemon (laughs) (laughs) you had a pokemon (laughs) yeah (laughs) um no that sounds super interesting definitely there's a lot of uh I've seen so many, so many of like my artist friends sort of selling art that way at the moment. Yeah, and, uh, it's, it's a hype. It will yeah. go away again. 
because not everybody can sell a digital piece for three million or something like that. Yeah, I think that's, that's why everybody is piling into it right now. Mm. Um, and of course, in the in the crypto space, there are a lot of people that are our age that somehow are multimillionaires overnight for some reason, you know, because they got lucky and they have no clue what money is anymore and they're just spending it, I guess, on stuff and they don't care. But the idea that every artist will now be lucky and sell a piece for thousands of dollars is, uh, I think they're delusional, but... Mm. I mean, you got to put your feelers out there, try a bit of everything, right? <laughs> Definitely. I mean, if it costs you, I don't know, a $25 investment to create one, to mint an NFT or whatever, or maybe less, I don't know, you, you could make millions, you know, but that's the same with the lottery. So it, it's, it's, I don't know. <laughs> I don't, I don't really get it yet. Even though I work in, in it, like in the project, I don't really get why it's such a hype right now and not two years ago when it was already there. Uh, so we'll see how that goes. Yeah. They're paying you real money though, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, cool. I would, okay. <laughs> yeah, true, true. <laughs> but it's, uh, it's cool. Like, um, I know that, uh, we created some NFTs for the, for the game as a promotional thing because the game's not out yet. And like everybody who was joining the discord had a chance of winning one of 10 or something and uh some have been some of those have already been sold for like seven and a half to 10k so it's uh, it's nuts they don't do it wow. <laughs> but i guess it's a bragging right or something yeah people are into those <laughs> yeah yeah i mean why would you drive a an extremely expensive car you know if if a cheap one also gets you there or why would you hang a painting for 90 million on your wall? I don't know. Yeah. Um, and where can we find you? Uh, me online, personally? of course. Uh, I, um... <laughs> need cool no, online, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Just in case there's any confusion. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm on Twitter. Uh, I'm, I'm on uh, Instagram. But I got to warn you all that, like, I'm not that active, honestly. So I don't know. It's not really worth following me, I guess, because there's not <laughs> going to be much under anyway. So fair enough. Um, but yeah, any relevant uh, links we will add to the show notes. Has you've got stuff as well that I forgot to mention earlier on. Oh you've yeah, got some I, stuff going on. I get I plug. <laughs> I yeah, plug yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So oh my god, like I'm. I'm so excited and so nervous and just a lot of emotions. But I've been chosen as one of the game gaming influencers, one of five finalists, uh, and there'll be a final event on the 20th of this month, March, just in case you are listening to this and it's gone. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, of this month, the 20th, I'm not sure of the times yet, uh, but you know, tune into that. Congratulations. Yeah. Yeah. Congrats. And much needed as well. I will say just looking at the other contestants, just, <laughs> I'll just leave that there. Much needed that you were involved. Um, so yeah, like come support me, check that out. Yeah. And you can obviously follow me on Instagram and Twitter and I'll post it all over there till the world, uh, when that is happening. And also like the outcome, you know, maybe, uh, 
maybe this time next month I will have won. I'm thinking positively. <laughs> I would have won and, you know, come out victorious. Uh, but we'll see. Either way, it'll be like really fun to be a part of. And I'm like just really honored to have got a, a finalist. Yeah, we'll definitely uh, let people know about that and look forward to yeah, seeing it all happen on the 20th. So we'll be letting people know. And um, yeah, now we have reached the end of the show. So thank you to our guests for uh, joining us and talking about all sorts, including Pacific Rim. Um, thank you, Roger, and thank you, Lara Lee. Thank you for having me. Welcome. Thank you for having me. No problem at all. So uh, if you are listening and you enjoyed this episode of Story X Story, make sure that you subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss an episode. Uh, don't forget to check out our own stories on the Maya Matter website. We are working on Serious Through the Frog now, but already have a number of graphic novels uh, on the website, mayamatter.com forward slash manga. And for the game enthusiasts in the audience, uh, you can check out the Gamepad Discord and our new Studio 77 membership for exclusive access to Gamepad events and content from the MyMatter universe. And that includes our Gamepad online event on April 10th. Otherwise, stay tuned for more podcast episodes, including creator interviews, video game discussions, and deep dives into stories across pop culture. You can always give us a shout directly. Our email address is feedback at myamada.com and our website with links to subscribe is myamada.com forward slash story x story. Until next time, take care everyone and stay safe.